Hi, I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town Not Small Minds. visor back you are right now I know I put it on for inspo but I feel like (laughs) I bought it to travel to Phoenix it just felt like you know I needed something in the sun that's easy I can still wear a high pony and everyone's like get a high pony hat and then I'm like you know what the 90s is back so why not just go full visor and I was telling my coworker, and she was like you absolutely need to get a visor um so I've just been rocking the visor. I rocked it today at track. Everyone loved it. I can still wear my hair in a high, big, thick pony. And I feel like I'm wearing it in an ironic way, but also in a fashion forward way. I also would like to note that I was outside while Amy was out at the track. <laughs> I don't know how many meters were we? 200? Oh, we were like, we were like 400 meters away from each other. Okay. I'm not good at judging distances. Anyway, I texted Amy and I was like, are you wearing a visor? Because she's been talking about getting a visor forever. And it was just like one of those moments because I could see her getting my message and like looking around and being like, can she see me? Yeah, I 100% was like scanning the whole like audience being like, is Alex outside? There's no way that that was 400 meters. You're right. That maybe more. 200. 250. That is. Maybe 200. Yeah. Thank you. Anyways, bringing the visor back. Excited That's what's up. Alex, what's up with you? Okay, so I love this musician, Dermot Kennedy, as we know. He is coming to Canada. We're excited. He's coming to Edmonton. You got tickets. I have tickets, and I'm just, like, excited to be there. I'm like, oh, life go fulfilled. Amy, on the other hand, who I would not say is, like, you don't usually enable me with these kind of habits. You really don't. (laughs) I know where this is going. (laughs) So she was like, Alex, and I quote, you need to go full on stalker mode and find him. Find the hotel he's in. Stay in that hotel. Like, <laughs> this is your one chance to meet him. And honestly, I did not You've expect that. In. Like, I didn't expect <laughs> that from Amy at all. And immediately, like, when she said that, like, I completely lit up. I was like, you need to leave because I have a bunch of research to do. And I just really, like, I was really excited that you gave me that permission. And I'm really leaning in right now. <laughs> really leaning into the work. <laughs> I, I am. I am looking at all the hotels where all the celebs stay in Edmonton. I'm considering going to Calgary for his show the night before. Double my chances of running into him. Yeah. Just to meet him. Yes. I, okay, normally I wouldn't suggest people going full stalker mode on anyone. No, Amy, literally this was, you would never. Well, Alex writes letters and like you obviously try and interact with celebrities in like a DM way. No, no, I don't. I just write letters to like authors that I appreciate. This is my first celeb Musician. musician that I've written. But I know how much you like love him. And how much you admire him as an artist. And I would want that chance for you to just like interact like you ride the same elevator as him. Do I think you will be starstruck? A hundred percent. I think you might go into full freeze mode being like, oh, I will black out. (laughs) Just pass out. (laughs) Apples just falling out. Apples, protein bars everywhere. Hard boiled eggs rolling out of your purse. 
but I do think this is your opportunity. He's in Alberta. He's, you know, he's from, where is he living right now? Ireland. Yeah. So like, I just think I'm like, what an opportunity, right? And we were so close when we were at Donovan Woods. We saw his tour bus. We were like right around I mean, Donovan Woods is a lot smaller scale. Yes. But I'm just like, oh, this is your opportunity to run into him. Like, you might as well try. Yeah. So I took that very much to heart. And um, stay tuned because I will be meeting Dermot Kennedy. It would just be so cool even if you're in like the same restaurant as him and stuff. Like, guys got to eat. So Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's opening for Shawn Mendes. I think Shawn Mendes' crew and his crew will be similar. So they'll all be in the same hotel. Do you think that? Because here's what I was thinking. Okay. Because Dermot Kennedy is really big in Ireland. Yeah. But I'm guessing he could walk around in Edmonton without being, like, recognized. Yeah. Um. So would he want to be in the same place where there are all these cameras, all these paparazzi, or is he going to have, like, a little bit more of, like, a chiller time? Because I... what I see on his social media is he's, like, he's, like, very much, yeah. like, in and about the crowds and he's gonna go to west edmonton mall yeah i think it's honestly the convenience i think it's the convenience of being in one because they they're crewed together so they all have to travel together they all like interact with please each other. write in what hotel <laughs> will he be staying at i want to know I is he staying cool. with sean mendez like I give me so. all the details you got another month of investigative work to get on it before you see him you're fueling my fire and i know i love it and I can, I think it's going to be so worth it if you just get that opportunity to be like, hi, I'm a huge fan. So awesome to meet you. Yeah. Do I just recite his favorite lyrics back just to him? Just start singing to him? Oh my God, no. <laughs> no. I think you'd be better passing out. <laughs> well, stay tuned and we'll see if Alex ever meets Dermot Kennedy. Yeah, I will. Okay. That's the energy we're putting out there. <laughs> All right. And that's What's up? up? This week, we have Nikki? Nikki from Ladies Hat Farm coming on our show to talk to us about being a farmer, sustainability, farming flowers. She has animals, all this stuff. All this she good stuff. is an amazing entrepreneur. And honestly, you're in for a treat, but even better if you follow her at Ladies Hat Farm to see all her amazing work. So thanks again to Nikki for coming on. Welcome to this week's episode. We have Nikki here from Ladies Hat Farm. Check her out online for sure because she does some cool shit. She runs a flower business. She grows her own flowers. She works on a farm. She's a woman that has her own business and farm. (laughs) This is so cool. And you know me, I love flowers. So this is like my jam. Yes. Welcome, Nikki. Hi, thanks for having me. Do you want to just more officially tell us what you do? Yeah, sure. So I run Ladies Hat Farm, which is a small-scale, sustainable, seasonal flower farm out in Castor, Alberta. On my flower farm, I also have some laying hens, and typically I raise grass-fed lamb, and I've got my llamas, the Jonas Brothers. Oh, what? We didn't even know that. Yeah, they're really cute. Llamas? Is there four of them? No, there's only two, but they're both named Jonas. Oh, okay. okay. So Jonas Brothers. I was like three yeah. Amy, because there's three Jonas Brothers. Well, well according, a yeah, there is a fourth, according okay. to Janie Smith. <laughs> okay, my mom okay. Watched you're the... bigger fans than me. <laughs> <laughs> my mom watched the biography on the Jonas Brothers, so. <laughs> well, why don't we start it off with our fave question. What's the most small town thing about you? 
Yeah, I've been really thinking about this because there's a lot of things. <laughs> um, I think it's like my general aesthetic when I go into town to get like the mail and groceries. Just like don't give a shit at all about my <laughs> appearance. And like when I lived in the city and stuff, it was like every day it's like makeup, hair done, like wearing some cute clothing in case you run into like someone you want to impress. Whereas like I just wear like my ratty ratty leggings with like holes and like dirt covered knees and like wool socks and crocs <laughs> like never wear a bra ever big baggy sweatshirt and like yeah just dirt on my face and I think that's like I would like younger me would cringe, city me would cringe. <laughs> but now I was just like I don't care yeah that's and no one cares so good actually well you dressed up for us because you look amazing today I have a makeup on <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is a funny story. You can take this out if you want to, but, um, like I've got my like uniform, especially in the fall where it's like leggings, Crocs, a plaid jacket and like a toque. Right. It's just like every day. Yeah. And it was Halloween and I was at the grocery store till and this girl's like, I'm a high school girl's like all decked out like goth. And she's like, Oh my God, I'm glad I'm not the only one who dressed up. I was just like. <laughs> what do you think I'm being? I'm like, what am I? Yeah. What did, did she say? No, I didn't say. I'm like, yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm gonna cry in my car now. <laughs> I really need to like think about my life and my decisions. <laughs> that is funny. Oh, Amy. Okay. The most small town thing about me. Um, I was just helping out with the play, but uh, the drama production. Mm-hmm. And while sometimes I just again I don't think about the capacity of how many people know you when you're a teacher and so I went to go sit down with a bunch of other teachers and I had like parents like looking over the side like pointing like pointing at the program and pointing at me like that's her that's Miss Smith and I'm like celebrity life (laughs) but she did a small town (laughs) yeah exactly exactly like but it's just like surreal sometimes because I I see them they're like excited and they're like oh yeah yeah okay and then I'm like living my normal life so I'm like my fans, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, mine, I, I'm just thinking I'll expand on the one we talked about the other time, that I have a goat graveyard on my parents' acreage, but we have a graveyard for, like, all of our pets. I feel like that's pretty small town. Like, what person in the city is, like, that's where my horse is. <laughs> that's where my goats are. That was my favorite goat. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to jump in. I'm, like, very impressed. You already shed some light for us about your like entrepreneurial aspects about being your own boss and kind of managing all aspects of your farm but can you tell us a little more about what it's like being a female farmer and a woman in the farming industry yeah for sure so one thing I really like to like kind of recall is when you're in high school and you do like the career fairs and stuff and and we kind of touched on this actually earlier was In a small town, you don't see a lot of different occupations. It's like you're a nurse, you're a teacher, you're, you know, I wanted to be a writer. No, you want to be a journalist. Even though I grew up on a farm and, you know, was surrounded by other farmers in a farming community, it was never presented to me as like an option. You can be a farmer. Yeah. And like, of course, when you're a young girl too, like you don't see people that look like you farming. So why would it even cross your mind? And I had the opportunity to like meet and interview and um, go to a bunch of farms around Canada where there was like young farmers um, doing really cool things, especially in terms of like sustainability and like um, land stewardship. And I was like, like, I am so lucky I can go back to my parents' farm and I could do this Mm -hmm. um, if I wanted. And so that's why I moved home um, to start my farm. I mean, it's been challenging just 
kind of being taken seriously as a farmer, especially because I'm a flower farmer and not in the traditional commodities of like grain production or like cattle or even like I feel like a market garden, vegetable garden is like Mm -hmm. more is now kind of seen more as like a farm. But like just the other day, someone called it my hobby farm. I'm like, no, not quite. Um, It's kind of insulting. Yeah. And or like I had someone who was like, oh, this is like a great passion project. And it's like, no, like, this is my livelihood. This is my income. Yeah. And like, I like am a farmer. Like I do identify as a farmer. Sounds like a stupid way to put it, but I think it's just been that kind of like hurdle, especially in a small town, I think, where everyone's like that old McDonald farmer archetype, right? To mm-hmm. convince people, and I shouldn't have to do that, but convince people that, yeah, no, like I am a farmer. Mm-hmm. I know I don't look like a farmer, but I am a farmer. Well, and I farm a commodity. According to the girl at the grocery store, you, you fit the role with your costume or uniform. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's she got it. Yeah. <laughs> a farmer. <laughs> a female farmer. Got it. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> don't see many of those around here. No, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Speaking of when you said, like, I was lucky that your family had a farm. Is it difficult if, like, say I want to get into the farming industry and I don't have land or family in farming? Yeah. So, like, just backpedaling. I was in Ottawa doing my master's in journalism and I did my thesis on first generation farmers. So people who came from like non-farming backgrounds and decided to start a farm. So that was like what my thesis was on. So I had this like incredible opportunity to like interview and travel to all these farms across Canada and talk to these young people who didn't grow up on farms, but Mm -hmm. decided that they wanted to like grow food and do so in a way that was like sustainable and obviously still made money but like the biggest hurdle was access to land like Mm -hmm. finding land and then finances like it's really hard to go to a lender especially an agricultural lender when you don't have any agricultural based assets yeah they just don't take you seriously so yeah like when I was talking to these people and being like what you're doing is so cool and inspiring because it's so challenging Mm -hmm. I'm like I have like this crazy privilege that if I want to go home and farm. I have access to. I do think it's it's very challenging, mm-hmm. if not impossible, to start a farm yeah. without that. People do it, but it's hard, hard to come hard. by. Hard yeah. to jump in, right? Like mm-hmm. without like all those things that you just mentioned—that mentorship, the finances, the access to land. So, did this master's on first-generation farmers kind of inspire you? That's what really led mm-hmm. you to be like. I can go do this. Yeah. It's my privilege that I have access to the land, but it's not like a privilege I take very lightly because my parents wouldn't afford this privilege to anybody else but me. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a responsibility. I almost feel that like I'm not like taking over the farm by any means, but I have access to the land and I can do something with it and I can steward it and grow flowers sustainably without chemicals and like, you know, bring local seasonal flowers to people not everybody would have that opportunity so I feel like it's wasted if I don't use it mm-hmm. I'm curious about your project your master's that you did it on um can you, are you allowed to speak about the demographic of people that wanted to start first generation farming like like a really long time but <laughs> it was like a journalism thesis so it's okay. all, like a, a section of it's online I could send it to you guys but it um I mean it's primarily like the people I interviewed were between like 25 and 40 young couples um and in that demographic of like first generation farmers and I might be a little bit off with like quoting but the, there was a study done in like 2014 and with first generation farmers it was almost like 50 50 if not more females 
okay. first generation female farmers. Okay. Um, so that's interesting because I think it's like 27, 28% in traditional, like, like in family farms or just mm-hmm. in farmers in general, it's like 28% women, but in first generation farmers specifically, it's like more women than men. Interesting. And I think a lot of it, like, I mean, there's a lot of idealism attached to like people who are moving from the city to farm food. Mm-hmm. First generation farmers are also doing things in a way that's like environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. The added thing with like family farms is like, you just do things the way that dad did it and the way mm-hmm. grandpa did it or uncle did it or whatever. When you're a first generation farmer starting from scratch, you can do things however you want without like that dogma kind of like, yeah. There's unwritten rules. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like or having your dad peer over like, why would you do it like that? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You you mentioned a lot about sustainability on farms, and that's obviously a value for your business and your practice, and even for a lot of these interoration farmers. Can you speak to how your farm attain that sustainability status? Yeah, so I have a lot of weeds. <laughs> I don't spray anything. So there's no chemical input at all in the farm. Um, I use a tractor or bobcat when I have to move like, big stuff around, but most of it's just like all manual. Like we have so much education or um, awareness now of what it means to support local food or support your farmer, like buy local. Something that's like gaining momentum is mm-hmm. more people are worried about where their food comes from and they're more interested, especially during the pandemic, I feel yeah. like. Yes. Yeah. And sourcing their meat and sourcing their vegetables. But like, it's like our industry is so bad. The flowers that you see at like the grocery store florists are shipped from like all over the world. Grow A lot of the flowers are grown in the global south in areas that like don't have um, restrictions on like pesticide and chemical use that we do here. Like things that we are like are banned in North America are still being used in South America and in Africa. Mm-hmm. And so the conditions, greenhouses and stuff, it's like horrific. And the sprays that they're using are actually banned here, but we import all those flowers and bring mm-hmm. them anyways. And then, yeah, like the floral foam. So I don't use any floral foam, which is just like microplastics. Um, everything's seasonal. So what I can grow in season. Um, just like, yeah, that supporting local element of it as well. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of like the main pillars of, I think, what make me sustainable. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so fortunate to like really, I actually really love what I do. I'm still very much in love with flowers. I love working outside and I like doing physical labor. Like I hate working out but I love doing physical hard labor um I don't know it's pretty idyllic yeah like it's just really nice to be working outside and then playing with flowers and whether I'd be able to do that anywhere else is the challenge because I do find living in Castor very isolating Mm -hmm. Um, and living on a farm alone is very isolating yeah I miss like I miss the city I miss my friends in the city I miss going out to eat nice food Winter especially, it's just like, I work from home from my computer in the winter, and so they're like, I never leave, and I'm very passionate, and I love what I do, and I don't know if I could do it anywhere else at this point, so, yeah, it's finding a balance between that, and yeah. like... Well, you can come and visit me in Calgary anytime yeah. you want, <laughs> stay at my Calgary's place. Calgary's the best and... restaurant. <laughs> yeah, come, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to move right downtown, so... Yeah, totally you're gonna awesome. need to get a subscription go to... going to Calgary. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's a trade off. Yeah, pick up or just go to your place. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think um, even as women who work in Settler, even though Settler would be like the bigger center of our area, we feel that. I feel that. Yeah, and like I mean, we talked about this earlier, but like dating. Yeah, like that's horrible. Yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> to like, put it lightly. Yeah, there's like no better word for it, but like, yeah, it's just very challenging. I do really respect that farmer's lifestyle. It's And the work that goes into it. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot of, you end up having V, and you kind of mentioned that, a jack of all trades, or a Jill in this case, sorry. Don't want to be exclusive here. Um, I remember being alerted with the stat that have the highest suicide rate. Mm -hmm. And I remember bringing that up to farmers that I know and talking about that. And they, you know, I also think they, they're at times reluctant to talk about the mental health aspect of it because they're like, they just get down and they just go and do it. They don't want to stop and think about Mm -hmm. those things. So they're just so focused in, but I think more needs to be shed on the lights of like, it's a tough job. And also mother nature cannot work in your favor and it can go south quick for you and your operations. And and so, and so it's really neat watching you redefine what farming can be and what it can look like. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be mentally tough in that world too. Yeah, even mentally tough, but like be emotionally vulnerable and like talk about those things. Like yeah. I, I'm really lucky to have out in Castor like a group of young farmers and we get together like a couple times a month. We help each other out in big work bees and the whole day working on like a big project for somebody just nice. to like help get through that. And then... Like, when it's a drought, we can all just, like, get together and talk about it. And there's, I mean, I think there's, like, a lot of emotional holds with the older generations. But having the younger generation back farming, it's like, yeah, let's talk about our seasonal depression. Or yes. our depression, depression. Yeah. Or our anxiety that we're facing because it hasn't rained for two weeks. And our financial insecurities. And, and yeah. so I'm lucky to have that because it would be incredibly lonely if I didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything that we miss that you're like, everyone needs to know this? A while ago, I think it's called Imperial Plots. And it's about kind of women's historical role in agriculture in the prairies. And one of the things that I found really interesting was it talked about um, women's role on a farm. Women or pre-industrialization, I guess. How women would often like pretty much support the farm income by like milking a cow and selling milk to the neighbors or like growing vegetables and selling eggs and, you know, kind of do these things that would bring cash into the farm that they could, you know, pay for other groceries they need or pay for kids clothing or pay for basic things. Cause most farms operate on like one paycheck a yes. year. Right. Yeah. So that was a woman's role on the farm. Um, and like quota systems came in where it was like you have to have like a certain number of milk cows and it all goes into a pool and or egg egg quotas meat chicken Mm -hmm. quotas so these really traditionally um oriented farm tasks were then taken over by like this group of old men on the quota board and they created kind of like this legislation that would no longer allow women to just like milk a cow and sell the milk Mm -hmm. so a lot of women regardless of whether they wanted to or not took off farm jobs so that they could continue to support the farm income. Seeing with flower farming, and I think it's really exciting because I think like a stay-at-home mom, I mean, you are a farmer. Like, yeah. like there are many roles on a farm that yeah. isn't just the one driving the tractor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seeing a lot is like flower farmers, is women who are flower farming are often stay-at-home mom moms or were and have a few kids and their husband might have a be running a grain farm or something like that and they're supporting him but then they start their own enterprise within the farm to bring supplemental income into the farm and so I'm kind of seeing it like this resurgence of that maybe for women to stay on the farm and and do farm related work yeah rather than leave and and work off farm and they can keep their kids at home and yeah anyways I just it's kind of this trend that I I'm seeing and I really like it I think it's really healthy 
Yeah. Interesting, even where you're like, yeah, this, like, these women can, like, be having flower farms or, like you said, like, subscription boxes to food, like, food or, like, sustainable, like, veggies, like, that kind of stuff. Uh, Looking at farming completely differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my boyfriend and I got in an argument about, like, what point do you get to call yourself a farmer? I'm like, when do you want to call yourself a farmer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know why it needs to be, like, defined by, like, financial success or amount of land or, I don't know. Like, if, like, doesn't matter if it's a side hustle or if it's your full-time yes. job. If mm-hmm. you're, cre- like, making money from a commodity that you're growing or producing, you're a farmer. Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to call yourself that. I um, love that. Well, if you want to um, check out Ladies Hat Farm, mm-hmm. do. Go. You will fall in love with all of the flowers. Yeah. Or also, if you want to get a subscription box, because yes. those sound amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the other thing I really like is your vulnerability online, too. I feel like you share a lot about your story and journey. And that, like, I feel like, well, it made us feel connected. Yes. So we were like, oh, we got to reach out to this cool ass, you know? Female farmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we're so glad that you could join us here, Nikki, today, and thank you for taking the time. I know you have to whippersnap. Is that the term you use? Snap. Whippersnap the weeds later tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it begins. It begins, and we wish you all the best luck into your wedding season. Sounds like you're a busy one. It was such an honor to have Nikki on. If I think back to when we first started our podcast, we were really dying to get Nikki on and Ladies Hat Farm. Um, Alex was the one who actually was like, Amy, this is going to be such a great episode. We need to get her. And so here we are finishing up season two and we finally got Nikki on and boy, did she, you know, really come through. She was so cool in person, but I knew she was going to be super cool. (laughs) I liked like I, what I really liked is to see like a female farmer, Mm -hmm. um, and her Instagram, like I totally got connected through it because like I had said earlier, she was just really open about sharing her journey. And, um, well, actually, the first reason I got connected to it is because I love flowers. Yes. Um, and, and she was selling a bunch of flowers within town. Yes. Uh, and so I was like, flowers, love it. Yeah. Cool person doing it. Great. Even better. So I wanted to have her on. And honestly, I loved learning a lot about her um, and her sustainability. Yes. But I was just like, want to say like, I'm proud of her for like doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say when, um, you kind of mentioned this already to her was the idea and exposure for women and how limited that lens looked like for what farming can be on there. And her just talking about, you know, first generation farmers and then her being inspired by people who were going back and, you know, reinventing this and being able to challenge themselves to put themselves, you know, in that position. And that kind of, you know, gumption to even just go and do that takes a lot. And um, I was really like, happy to to see her address her privilege. I know I mentioned that to her as well. I was like, you know, because it is tough to break into that farming world. And not only just sustain, like with finances, but also like knowledge and mentorship. And and she's self-taught in a lot of what she does, which is amazing. And then she has her mentors and support around her. So she spoke really well and, and shared some great insights as a female farmer. Absolutely. And so if you want to check her out, it's Ladies Hat Farm. And I mean, I have family in Beaumont, like get on that subscription people. I know her story today. The flowers were unreal. 
I might have to, I, I was teasing her. Hopefully she can come to Calgary and, and link up and then she can bring me some flowers. <laughs> Absolutely. So check her out. Thank you so much for being on the show. Great to have you, Nikki. Jar of questions. This time. Okay, Alex, here's the question. What are your go-to snacks? I was born to answer this question. I know. I want to actually know, though, like, let's try and narrow it down to, like, top three, though. Okay. Okay. Apple, protein bar, hard-boiled eggs. Those would be my go-to snacks. Okay. And those bring you joy as well? Because the way I interpreted this question was, like, joyous and, like, go-to snacks. I guess I view snacks as small... Fuel. Yes, I do. Yeah. I really do. And so if it was like, what are your, your go-to treats? That's different. But okay. like, if you, I'm having a snack, it's to get me to my next meal. I feel like the way I'm going to answer this, Carly, our nutritionist, is not going to, you know, vibe. She's going to be like, points for Alex. Fruit, protein, um, More carbs. protein. Oh, yeah, yeah, more protein. Like, But like the protein bar has like good amount of carbs as well. Yeah. Well... My brain automatically went to chocolate-covered almonds mm. and popcorn. Those are, like, my top two snacks. I'm pretty sure, too, if I have a wedding, if and when I have my wedding, my future wedding, mm-hmm. I want to serve kettle corn popcorn at my wedding. Like, that's how much my love for popcorn mm-hmm. is. I it, will not be attending your wedding. I know you're not a huge popcorn fan, but, like, I want to get one of those, like, you know, little, like, they're, like, donut stands. People have them. And so we're going to smell the smell of popcorn at your wedding? Yeah, but like at the midnight part for the midnight snack. Gosh, I will not be at your wedding. <laughs> it would be so good. And then on the bag, it can have like a little logo that's like, so thank you I'm guys. so excited for you. I know, but that's how much I love popcorn. I know you're not a big popcorn fan, so I never have to worry about, you know, sharing popcorn with you. It's mm-hmm. been a real, it's Treat. been nice to balance that relationship <laughs> for my popcorn love. But I absolutely love popcorn. Chocolate arm, chocolate almonds, dark covered or milk, totally good. Okay. Got a little protein there. Doesn't pass on the night nutrition. I don't think, I think you went on the nutrition part there. I wasn't trying to. It's just like when you said top three snacks, I named my top, like what am I putting in my backpack? Those three things. Yeah. They, if, if you're ever around me and you're like, I'm a little bit hungry. I probably have a hard boiled egg or apple on me. I yeah. definitely have an apple on me. And protein bars. You always have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I've learned that trick from you. A purse protein bar. I hand those out like all the time for journeys that we're on. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Amy keeps car snacks in her vehicle to sustain me. Yes. There are fresh ones just so you know. Well, because I just recently ate them. Yeah. So (laughs) they're there. Perfect. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, we'll turn it to you. What are your go-to snacks? 